If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. What kind of underpants do I wear, Cinder? Thank you for joining us for We Say Things episode 115. Suns fan with Cinderin and Susie is very interested in what type of underpants that I wear. I I can't sadly it's downstairs so I can't show you. Maybe we'll make this a segment later on uh for another episode. We can put that in, notch that in. We were we were talking about what kind of boxers or underpants we wear and I was convinced that you wore tidy whities and I'm shocked to hear that you don't. It's weird. Yeah. I yeah, I just don't. I uh I wear boxer briefs. I'm sorry to disappoint, and I have yeah. done I say it's that weird. for many years. Both wear boxer briefs and disappoint, of course. I, I think people, no offense to anybody, the people that do wear tidy whities that are adults, I find that very strange, and that's why I thought that you would have worn them. Because I'm very strange. It would have fit perfectly. I literally can't picture you. Thank you. Without what tidy whities on, I can't. I can't do it. Anyway, uh, yeah, episode one fifteen, Cinderin. Uh, we got some shout outs. For our patrons, our beautiful in Bruges patrons, uh, this first name I l- thank you Andrew. to your friend Andrew. It's it has zero silo- or zero uh, vowels. Thank you, Semper Pi. It, it has the Y. Y is not always a vowel, though. It is a vowel here. Oh Sometimes no, wait! It's, it's actually a, a J, right? It, maybe it's a consonant there. Semper Pi, Hakuna Matata, the guy in the chair, Lucas Frankel, Commander Donut. I'm playing position five in real life. Bread Sheeran, <laughs> Bonsai Wise Guy, Chicken Pot Pie, Chakar, playing against Wyvern on lane is so shitty. His second spell should be called Sphincter Blast. The Mega Pope, it's time to rhyme the lime of crime and time to water elephants. Ti in New Zealand. Zan Xavier, Nate Thicko Zero One Hamscroats. Bacon, and this is the only time I'm not going to put up a fucked up name here. I just want to give a shout out to my good friend, Oim, or Ojim, or Ojim. Ah, you forgot to change it, so you put it twice now. Yeah, you fucked up. All right, SharkTM, pro Counter-Strike 1.6 player. Those are two different people, by the way. Nobi Panda, Dop. Sosnek in Japanese is Niniku, as I am half Japanese. Didn't he spell Chosnik differently last time? Interesting. All right, whatever. It's always different. Nothing to see here. Underscore man. Ben Broomhead started following the NBA because of Suns fan, but started going for the Lakers before finding out Suns fan hated them, lol. And he still hasn't changed, apparently. So, doesn't care that much. Pitch Black, Wooden Aftertaste, Done Talk, Anonymous, OG fan of the Sun Pharaoh and his battles with Moses the Sinner Man. Oh, OG fan of the Sun, not OG fan. <laughs> Okay. Peter, dogs can sniff at the same time as breathing. Niebling. Huh. Perkadirk loves Suns Fan Center and Sagittine and Slacks. I forgot Susie Maruna. Thank you. Thank you guys for the inbrush tier support for the podcast. And if you like the podcast and want to support it, you can check out our Patreon page. There's different tiers with different little perks. Um, so yeah, if that's something you want to do. And you enjoy what we do, then can you we name one perk? Any support other than in Bruges? Perk a <laughs> Nice. Touche. There you go. Uh, all right, quickly, NBA segment. Uh, the NBA draft happened. It's the first one I haven't watched in years, over a decade at least, more than that, because the Suns didn't, they traded away their only pick, so just didn't care. Uh, then the trading deadline or the, the trade and free agency period started, so there's a bunch of moves. I know people have been asking me my opinion on stuff, so I'm just going to give the TLDR. Uh, we re-signed Chris Paul to a massive nice. contract. He's uh, the musician, people, right? Yep, he's the musician. He plays flute. A very oh. instrumental instrument, as it were. Uh, 
He was signed to a four-year, $120 million contract, which he's very old, okay? He's like 36, which is pretty ancient. And people look at that like, wow, I'm almost the same age, actually. Yeah, then he's very old. If you're younger than him. Yeah, slightly younger. Then you can call him old. It's fine. Thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. So people are like, you know, the Suns made a terrible mistake to sign it for so long, blah, blah, blah. But... The reality of the situation is the last two years are not fully guaranteed. So it's not nearly as bad as it looks. So two years of guaranteed, which he should be playing relatively well at that point. And then if he ain't good enough after that, get rid of him. Uh, And then the big thing, Cinderman, the Mm -hmm. L.A. Lakers. People have been asking me all day while I stream about this. The L.A. Lakers have just like cleaned house. They've gotten a ton of new free agents. They're all old, decrepit men. Carmelo Anthony has joined them. They traded for Russell Westbrook. And everybody's oh, talking shit. about how they're so good. And I might be eating my words here in a few months, but Russell Westbrook fucking sucks balls. He is a chemistry You can do that while still killer. being good at basketball, though. Com- well, his contract and the way that the NBA is played, he- he's just not good. I'm sorry. So I, I don't think they got better, honestly. I, if anything, I think they got a little worse. But but he's in the title of a little Dicky song, so he's great. Yeah. So we'll see how it meshes. Maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before. But Russell Westbrook, I think, is one of the most overrated players of all time. So with that, let us begin this week, Cinderman. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, short film contest got extended. Valve uh, posted. This was actually the day of our last podcast, I believe. Yeah. Um, it got postponed till September 12th. And at first, I'm like, oh, that's good. But they actually did it after the original deadline. So there was a thread on Reddit where, you know, some of the people that submitted some of their, you know, their SFMs that, by the way, SFMs take a ridiculous amount of time to make. Like, it's like you're yep. picking every single frame. It's really, really hard. Um, so just a couple random, I'm not going to name their names, but it is on Reddit. Uh, just comments like, uh, I worked so hard after my day job in order to finish this in time. And another respected member of the SFM community says, yeah, it feels very inconsiderate to extend a deadline three days after it's over. Thanks, extending it's great, but doing so after 45 contestants work hard to meet the initial deadline. That leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Feels disrespectful of everyone's time and commitment. And obviously that was echoed by a lot of the people that, you know, worked really hard to make it to the deadline. So I, my guess is that they extended it for one of two reasons, if not both. They didn't say why, I don't think. Could be wrong on that. I didn't actually read it recently. Uh, I think the reason that either... was given was that TI is delayed. Okay, I was going to say, it's either TI delayed or oh. there just weren't enough submissions or both. So This is here, with the international moving to October in Bucharest, there's more time available than originally expected. So we've decided to reopen submissions until September 12th. Creators okay. can continue to perfect their current submissions or even submit new ones. So yeah. that's it. There's like, so, oh, TI's later, so let's get some more short films in, basically. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel like it's a bit of both, right? I think it's good to extend it for the sake of getting more contestants. And like, since it just turns out their original deadline is just off because TI got delayed... Um, but at the same time for everyone who met the initial deadline and worked hard on that, they are in a way put in a, I don't know if it's a disadvantage directly, but they're at least not rewarded for all the hard work they put in to meet an early deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like no advantage, so to speak, unless like you want to call it an advantage that they're like ahead or whatever in their, in their video. Um, so I get the frustration for sure. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's both good and bad at the same time. And if anything, let me check when this announcement was. So they announced the short film extension on July 28th. And they knew TI wasn't happening until October. Almost a month ago, I think. It's been a while for sure. So if they would have extended the deadline three weeks earlier, I think that would have been way less frustration because then nobody would have been done yet. Mm -hmm. And they would have. Yeah. So I think that's the, that's the, the biggest thing here is that they could have announced it earlier. Yeah. I think they knew it wasn't going to be Sweden, right? Yeah. I mean, 
there's not much to say other than this has happened before. It it's like this this MO that Valve kind of has or this reputation where they kind of procrastinate everything because of their work structure, which again, like we've speculated what the work structure, like the pros and cons that come from it. And mm-hmm. we could be horribly wrong because it's just speculation at the end of the day, but it does feel that this fits with the theme that they probably just forgot about it. Like, oh, the deadline. Oh, we probably should have just extended it. All right, we might as well do it uh, mm-hmm. now anyway. It's better than nothing. So, yeah, I, I feel like something should be done for the people that submitted on time. That, But I don't know what you could do, honestly. <laughs> like, you can't give them a leg up technically because you've already extended it. So I'm not sure what yeah. you do. It's kind of shitty overall. That is the first story of the day. And the second one, Undying. Team Undying, who, as you guys know, along with Quincy Crew, are going to be the only two orgless uh, teams at TI, both from NA, non-coincidentally, by the way. they At first, they were against this idea, but I don't know what changed their mind. Uh, Moomianer posted a really long, or not really long, but a kind of a twit longer talking about the history of the team. And then they started a GoFundMe for their boot camp to TI. Um, essentially just talks about, uh, it looks like they're looking for about 20 K and they've made about 7,700. So a little over a third, uh, to the goal. So what are your thoughts on this? The fact that a team has to do this to get a boot camp for the biggest tournament in the history of gaming, it's kind of sad. Yeah. Um, there's how to say it's a bit hard to say, right? Because there's some things that aren't being told. I kind of refuse to believe that they haven't got any offers whatsoever about TI. True. But they might have been too org-heavy or too lopsided, so they turned them down, right? Uh, I would at least be surprised if nobody wants to sponsor a team that's going into TI, right? Honestly, no matter which team it is, you would expect some, some org or some endemic or non-endemic sponsor to have interest in having their name on the team. Um, mm-hmm. So I would imagine they've had offers that were just too bad or too unfair and in their eyes, so they've turned them down, but they still need to run a boot camp, so they're doing this. Um, like we talked about last episode, depending on how your expected placement is, you can. I think the minimum amount you can win by even going to TI is about 100 grand. So split that among five players, that's 20 per. Mm-hmm. And if you place any higher than that, it's 100k per player and up, if the prize structure is the same as last year. So... Um, yeah, I mean, funding the bootcamp, you could make the argument that they could just do that preemptively and then obviously refund it when they get their prize winnings from TI. Um, that is a possibility, but at the same time could also make the argument that, all right, these guys qualify to TI, they deserve their prize winnings. And in order to have a good chance of competing, uh, they need some sort of support. I think if... So the way I understand it from Moon Meander is that a lot of people reached out to him and told him, hey, do this. We want to support your team. So I think he did this because of overwhelmingly positive encouragement, not because he's like, oh, we have to do this. The, yeah. From what I read, I think what they were going to do if nothing happened was to just fund it out of own pocket. And then it was just going to be like a little bit of a bookkeeping nightmare with having everyone pay the correct amounts to each other. And then because of the way TI prize winnings get paid out to the individuals of the team, then yeah, they would kind of be signing verbal contracts with each other or something, I guess. Uh, And he would just, you know, float it from the start or whatever, float the costs, and then they would pay back to him. Because I'm not sure if the other players in the team just can put this amount of money on the table if they want to split it five ways until they've won it. So he might have to do it to begin with. He obviously has good prize winnings from previous majors and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think but, um, prob- I, I can't speak for sure, but he probably could have funded this himself because of those major victories from the past if he saved his money at least. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's really the point. Uh, if people want to no, help out, so, that's great. I think stuff like this is really good. I do think it's a little sad. Like, I'm sad about the fact that, like, again, whether I'm from NA or not, I don't think it really matters. But, like, in terms of bias, because NA is just, in general, a huge market that Dota mm. just doesn't have any kind of a grasp on, which sucks ass for the game. It's really bad for the game. So I don't know if that's going to change. I think it certainly would help if Undying and Quincy Crew should have good showings, along with EG, right. obviously. Like if 
they're all top 12 minimum. That's something that they can build upon going forward. And I think that's pretty realistic, honestly. Um, yeah. A lot of people are expecting yeah. the South American teams not to do well, but you never know. They they have all these wild card type showings at these big tournaments. But yeah, I'm hoping that this turns into something where they can kind of build upon it. Mm-hmm. And I think also the fact that we haven't really heard that much about the next DPC season, I believe, right? No details about the right. changes. That is no. also probably an issue. Like if you're going to sign with an org for just TI, that's weird because from the org perspective, you're going to have to get something out of it. Like just name right. recognition probably isn't enough. So like I can understand it from theoretically their side. Like if I'm an org trying to sponsor a team at TI, I probably do want some of the, like even if it's 5% of the prize winnings, I, I think that, you know, depending on how much you're actually investing in the team for this short amount of time, that's probably fine. Like I think that's kind of worth it, but it is TI, and I know the players are really, um, what's the word, protective over their TI winnings. Because even back in right. our day, like with DC, I was not a part of this negotiation. I would not have been okay with the end result. But the org kept 0% of TI6 prize pool. I've said this before, which I think mm-hmm. is a joke considering how much we invested in the team. We had a team house. We had, they literally lived with us. So that was a fucking joke. Um, but... There's always two sides, and who knows? Because right. we're missing a ton of details. But either way, mm-hmm. hopefully they do well. All right, yep. next thing, Cinderman. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little. So there was a there's a thread. I'm going to expand upon this, but there's a thread on Reddit about okay. a Dota content creator that has, was ruining a game by smurfing and justifying it because oh. he thinks that he's helping people. Uh, learn the game like by coaching and whatnot. So he's just smurfing like Meepo at like you know, three, 4,000 MMR lower than what he actually is and just destroying games. It made me think, and I know mm. that we've had this discussion at least a little bit, but I want to expand upon it a little more, mainly because of the next topic, which is a custom game that I've been playing. Matchmaking in Dota right now is, for me, the worst it has ever been, and it's not remotely close. I have never had so many griefers, so many newer players that for some reason are getting matched against or with me, which could be the behavior score. No idea. Uh, Because my behavior score has always been like max uh, because people just commend me (laughs) just because they recognize me, which ends up hurting me apparently. Uh, And then there's obviously Smurfs. (laughs) It's a grief you. (laughs) Yeah. Suns fan. They're griefing me by commending me. Uh, obviously, there's Smurfs uh, certain times of night, so you just have to avoid, which is ridiculous. Uh, and then I think another thing that we haven't really mentioned too much is the Battle Pass, Cavern Crawl, mm-hmm. is actually ruining a lot of games. We kind of discussed this a bit last week with the Quest, I think it is, in the Battle Pass, where you had to buy Hannah Midas or something like that. Yep. So now you have a bunch of fucking supports buying Hannah Midas and just ruining games. Uh, Cavern Crawl, like I, I like the idea of cavern crawl in general but people are playing heroes that they obviously cannot play in ranked and that Mm -hmm. in a way is kind of ruining you could argue either way i guess but matchmaking is fucking terrible right now i don't know if you're having any issues because i know the top of the top is kind of in their own bubble but what are your thoughts on on that as a whole i would say just anecdotally from the last week i would say the games are worse than usual but i don't know if it has anything to do with this in the higher brackets. I don't know if it's some sort of knobs they've turned with the way the algorithm matches up games, but I think like the game quality right now is bad. And I honestly think part of it, the best explanation I could come up with apart from if the algorithm has changed is honestly just patch depression. Like people are just tired of the patch. So they get angry easier. They're like, oh, I've seen this fucking game before. Oh, this is the 17th time I play against first pick brood today and he's owning again, you know, or, oh, they have, you know, it's it's easier when patches get towards this like staler phase to people to get for people to get frustrated with just the game itself mm-hmm. on a meta level. It's true. Um, I don't know if that's as much a case in lower brackets, but I could definitely imagine it is because there's a, like every bracket has its own meta, and eventually, when you're this far into a patch without changes and without innovation on the player's part, there really isn't much happening in these top games. Like, I'm not like, oh, wow, that was a really smart counterpick to this meta hero. I'm just not seeing that happen anymore. Uh, solutions aren't really coming out. It's just some heroes that are just busted, like TA, Brood, Terrorblade, and so many games these heroes get picked. 
Um, and it just works and it just wins too much. So um, that's my best explanation. About the whole new player stuff or griefers, etc. cetera, uh, haven't really run into too much of that problem. I guess a little bit gr on the griefing end, yeah. But again, I think it's mainly because people are just pissed in general, <laughs> not because they like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to speculate too much. About the yeah. smurfing thing, though, I have a pretty firm opinion about this. If you're, if you're justifying smurfing in a low-ranked game and your logic is I am teaching people based on smurfing in these lower games, I think there's just better ways of doing it than going into a ranked game and playing a pub stomp hero just so you can show, hey, this is what you can do in your bracket because like, the people that you're trying to teach can't play like you anyway. So they can watch you stomp some guys and be like, wow, this looks really easy. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. But they can't fucking do it because they're not 8K like you. So okay. I think the, a better way of teaching is, first of all, I think if you want to do some proof of concept like this, play on ranked with your friends and show what you're going to do or play ranked on your main. And then the reflection of what you're doing in that high ranked game shows, uh, shows the concepts of what you're doing and their downfalls because you're going to lose sometimes. And that's a part of the game. I don't think it's bad coaching or bad showcasing to play a loss. Like, that's what everyone does half the time. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't understand this logic that, hey, I'm going to showcase this by playing against way worse players and I can justify People, it by teaching. Well, Just play against even players or play on ranked. Like, because it's less, I don't know. It's, it's less entertaining to watch something if they're losing. That's just the fact of nature. Obviously... Well, then cut that part out where you lose and record the win and then post that one. Right. Yeah. If I, you're teaching and it has to be wins for whatever reason, then you don't have to ruin games to be teaching. You can do it in solo ranked or you can do it in unranked with or without a group of friends. I still think going unranked alone as a smurf, no, you can't do that, right? Because you have your matchmaking rating in unranked. So that doesn't work unless you're playing on another account. But go unranked on your main. a lot of people then. do. I don't know. I mean, the, the main issue that, again, everything we talked about, I'm sure there's some level of truth to it. And who knows, like, how big of an impact all those things have had with, like, the smurfing, battle pass garbage, the patch fatigue, behavior score, potentially. I think, like, when it comes to smurfing or just any type of toxic bad behavior, the trickle-down effect from pros is the biggest thing that I have an yeah. issue with. Like... I'm not to call him out as the first person that popped in my head because, again, I've said it so many times. I think Envy is an amazing uh, person for the scene itself. But when people like him or whoever, it doesn't matter, they're streaming, whether they're not, or, it doesn't matter. When they're feeding down mid, when they do shit like that, you're, you're not just ruining one game. You're ruining potentially hundreds or th like you're starting trends that are trickling down yep. to people that look up to you. Like, whether you like it or not, you're a role model. Charles Barkley said it best where he said he's not a role model, but he actually fucking, of course he is. You can't help but be a role model uh, to a lot of these impressionable kids. And that's why it was, like, when we talked about NFTs and gambling and all this stuff, it, obviously, we weren't super into the idea in general because we're weird mm. and boomers. But if somebody, like OG, if somebody looks up to them, like, oh, this must be legit. Like, they don't really do any research to find out whether it is or isn't. They just trust them. That's how it works. There's people right. that inherently trust you, even if you're wrong, and same with me. You just have to be careful what you're, how you're representing yourself. I know a lot of these players do not give a shit. That's the issue. But I don't know how to fix yeah. that. They're just being piles, right. honestly. Okay. I think so yes. about this whole breaking items or running down mid and stuff. I can't like put a timestamp on it, and maybe this is rose tinted goggles, but would you agree that like I don't know, let's say eight years ago or whatever, this didn't happen like ever, basically. It just didn't happen in games. Back when Breaking we didn't items? have ranked. Back when we didn't have ranked, people wouldn't like start randomly feeding or destroy their items to get out of the game. They just played the game to the end. Is that true or not? Do you remember people destroying their stuff when you started playing this game? Or for the first few years. Dota 2 or Dota 1? Dota 2. Like maybe, Ooh. like I said, maybe it's rose-tinted goggles for me. But I don't remember these early games in my memory of playing 
around TI1, TI2, even TI3, that people were breaking their items and running down mid. Right. I mean, it so definitely I'm leaning wasn't... toward this is a trend that started with ranked and with influential people starting to do it and other people copying it, and then it spreads like a virus, right? Yeah. I, I just probably, I don't remember it. There's and at least maybe some just, truth to that. I mean, it yeah, could have been know. technically, like maybe a couple people did. It wasn't a trend, though. That definitely was not like a thing that happened consistently. Where now, yeah. you hear about somebody breaking their items, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, I've heard this, this again, a million times. Know, yeah. yeah, Cinder just loves breaking yeah. those freaking items. It's a yeah, bit re- real do. rageaholic. Uh, I don't know, man. It's no. Anyway, I, I, I hope that the matchmaking gets fixed in some capacity. I don't know what's wrong with it. <clears throat> Usually I say it's a very small sample size, which... I guess, in essence, maybe I'm the most unlucky person ever. I feel like other people feel the same as me. Maybe not about every mm-hmm. single point, but that matchmaking is like at an all-time worst right now. So it could be a lot of this cavern crawl. I don't know. I really don't know. It's been right. pretty brutal. But on the bright side, because I can't stand playing Dota the last couple weeks, uh, I have been playing a custom game called Atomic War Cinderin, which... I know you have this. you have not played it, I believe. I've heard a lot about this, or a little e- about this. Everybody is playing it. I don't know when it came out. It might, I think it's at very least like three, four months old, but it's starting to ramp up in popularity. A lot of the big streamers are playing it on a daily basis, and I figured I'd give it a try. And you know, I played Auto Chess, I played Underlords, I played Artifact. Even though it's not related, I just want to mention that I played Artifact at one point. Uh, okay. <laughs> and I have to say, I am very impressed with this game. I can't remember the last... I mean, I don't know how long this is going to last, but I have been literally no-lifing it for the past week. Just... Damn. There was one day where... So, Nikki left for a convention, mm-hmm. and I was in the house alone with the cats for four days, and one of the days, I literally played for 15 hours, I think. <laughs> I I genuinely cannot remember the last time like if that happened it had to be like back in my Counter Strike days. Damn. Like, I know life like a normal guy when their girlfriend leaves will go out and party with their friends or something. I played a video game for an extraordinary amount of time and I hurt my back as a result. I woke up the next day I could barely move. I had to get a massage. Anyway, that's beside the point, Cinder. So, mm-hmm. Atomic, how yeah. much do you know about this game? Cuz I highly recommend it for people. Uh, I know a little bit because I've seen a tiny bit, I think. Um, but okay. correct me know? if I'm wrong. It's basically like an. It's basically an over. How does it? It's an. It's auto chess, but with a lot more depth, right? Kind of. Kind of. Okay. In some ways, there's less depth actually, and in some okay. ways, the there's a lot more. So. My best comparison would be auto chess and ability draft with a side of underlords. So essentially the goal is like, it looks like auto chess. So when you first look at it, it just looks exactly the same. There's no economy system really. And by Mm -hmm. that, I mean, well, I shouldn't say there's no economy. There's no interest system at all. You are incentivized to use all your gold every round because you lose it. So from that perspective, like the ceiling on like, you know, keeping track of interest and all that stuff, it's pretty much, it's not set in stone what you do necessarily, but it's a lot easier to comprehend. Right. But, and you can only get five units, and there's there technically are classes, I guess you can call it like the assassin type that they'll go from the back of the board into the front, you know, they'll jump or whatever, but like mm-hmm. there's no combinations that create an extra buff for your team. So right. like three assassins won't give you crit or anything. It's not, so... That aspect mm. is completely gone from auto, from the auto chess type as well. But every round, you can spend gold on stuff, on units. And if you upgrade your unit, it just gives it four extra levels. So you don't have to get like three of a kind or anything like that to combine. Mm-hmm. And you buy items and you buy, you can potentially buy spells. That is where the oh. really high ceiling comes in. The spell usage... Uh, obviously, for those that auto chess is automated, so you're not actually using the spells, but you can order them by priority. So if you have Tidehunter in front, you can put Ravage first, so he tries to get off the Ravage right away. 
So it's like a priority system mm-hmm. with the skills. And then you can buy certain skills that are randomized that show up based on the pool of heroes that are in that specific game. And you can buy them and replace a skill for one of your heroes. So for example, and this is where knowing Aghanim Scepters and Shards is really good for people that play Ability Draft, which I haven't played that much. But like, if you're good at Ability Draft, this is the part of the game that you'll be really good at. So for example, let's say I have a Silencer mm-hmm. who has Glaze of Wisdom, Global Silence, and then the other two skills, Arcane Curse and Last Word, are actually really bad in the mode. Which is good, mm-hmm. though, because you can build this guy as a carry if you just get rid of those two. And let's say you put in um, Blood Rage and let's just say Metamorphosis, okay? Mm-hmm. So you can turn on Meta, Blood Rage, let's say you get Shard. That's a double whammy. The Shard for Bloodseeker, uh, for the Blood Rage, turns it pure damage, essentially. Right. And it also upgrades your glaives to bounce. So it's like right. when you get the double yep. whammy, like that, it's super strong, right? So in terms of like the, that's probably the hardest part of the game is buying the correct skills that would help your lineup out. But at the same time, if you're new, you don't have to do that necessarily. You can just like go all in and just putting items on a regular hero and then slowly right. ramp up. And you'll, you know, over time you'll learn what, works and what doesn't so compared to auto chess and underlords yeah this rewards dota knowledge way more yes 100 percent. 100 you kind of need to know interactions because you don't have time during the game to figure things out you just need to know yes. it so for example because sometimes you're mm-hmm. like this my brain i know the mechanics really well especially with like interactions and stuff but sometimes your brain breaks because you only have a lot of time to put stuff in and I got rid of, like, I, I bought Rage, which is a really good skill to have on these carries. And I put it for Lucent Beam. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Eclipse doesn't do anything. <laughs> so oh, obviously yeah. you, have to, you have to remember, like, these little things right. that are connected. Um, and another aspect of the game, which is cool, is the quote-unquote underlord system. They call them lords. So essentially mm-hmm. there's a pool of lords, which they're really actually hard to unlock. Like, it takes a lot of grinding to unlock them. Mm-hmm. But... They're all heroes of actual Dota. So it's not like Underlords where it's like these random characters you don't know anything about. They're actual, like, there's mm-hmm. Spirit Breaker, there's Rubik, whoever. And they all have either a passive or an active ability. And generally, you don't have to do anything. Like, it's not like they're a unit that's helping you. Mm-hmm. It's like a buff that they provide in some okay. aspect. So, like, Spirit so Breaker. It's like the summoner example. unit you have, basically. Summoner unit? What do you mean? Yeah, when you play these, like, Auto chess, for example, the unit that builds the other units on the board. Is that what your Spirit Breaker or Rubik is? It's just like a it's just like a placeholder almost. It's not on the board, it's not fighting, but it's just there making it's, your team stronger. It's there making them stronger in some capacity. And there's a lot of different ones. Like Spirit Breaker can make something charge to another unit. Like you just select a unit beforehand and it just charges, and if it kills it, it charges somebody else. It's really strong. Or a passive one, Rubik. Every every five or every six rounds, you get an Aghanim Scepter, which is like a really high tier oh. item. So the upgrading of the shop is something I didn't mention. When you upgrade your shop, which costs gold, obviously everything costs three gold. By the way, so you open up the shop. Okay. Every unit is three gold. Every item is three gold, and every spell is three gold. But if you upgrade the shop, your items become higher tier. There's a better chance to get a higher tier item. But the skills and the heroes stay the same. Shannon. Yes. Why does every if everything costs three gold, why doesn't everything just cost one gold? Because reroll is one gold. Oh, so something doesn't cost three gold. Okay. <laughs> Almost everything costs three gold. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I have been having. By the way, they have a bat. Okay, this is something I have never done for a custom game: is buy stuff. I have bought stuff. They have a plus thing. It, it like lets you uh, just gives you extra stuff that you can do. Like you can look at the hero pool and you know notate which heroes that you want. So when they come up, they're glowy, so you remember. Uh, and then there's a full fledged battle pass, which, not gonna lie, it feels pretty good to grind. Like every couple games, you're getting something, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty impressed. I'm really impressed. Like, the battle me of the current is... battle pass that we have in Dota. It also yeah, except... feels like every couple of games, I get another gray bar on my grind list. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. The next gray bar. After playing on this battle pass, the actual T or TI, the actual 
seasonal battle pass, whatever the hell it's called. This one is so much more rewarding, and it's a custom game. Mm-hmm. So it's just really impressive. I, I've been grinding the shit out of it, and I highly recommend you try it out, Cinderin. I need to try this game, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it I sounds fun. Like. Especially the part that, like, I wasn't aware that Dota knowledge and the way of thinking about how you build your hero in that way works like that. I didn't know that uh, mm. that it plays into it that much, but I think I will enjoy that part of it, of theory crafting Dota, basically, while I play custom game. Right, and it, there's definitely some RNG. So I know that you're not a huge fan of RNG in general, but with these type of games, you're going to get RNG. Of course, that's how it and, is. And like the lords are not perfectly balanced at all. Like there's some that are hard to unlock that are just better than the rest. Mm-hmm. And a couple of the free ones are really good too. But and there, I would say there is an a element of pay to win. It's not egregious though. I think if you're a custom mm-hmm. game, I learned this through Pog. You have to have a little bit of pay to slightly win, if that makes sense. It doesn't need to be like I feel like there's a threshold where it becomes too much. But this game, mm-hmm. I don't think goes over that personally. It feels fine for the most part. But the hardest thing to unlock is other lords. So right. yeah. So that is Atomic War. Highly recommend it for people that like that type of a game, whether it be ability draft or auto chess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next things next, Cinderin. Okay, <clears throat> on to non-Dota 2 stuff. Activision. I'm going to read this uh, comment from this thread that got a billion upvotes. 25,000 upvotes on Reddit <clears throat> in regards to Activision. Gamers who follow gaming news might have heard about this already because of the patents, but Activision does indeed have a fully functional matchmaking algorithm for Call of Duty, which matches players against each other based on a combination skill purchase microtransactions, and preferred weapons used in-game. What I mean with that is, for example, if a skilled player purchases a $20 skin for a sniper rifle, the matchmaking system will match them against a lesser skilled player who also likes to use that particular sniper rifle but isn't good with it. The goal of the system is to give the lesser skilled player the false impression that the skilled player is doing better than them due to them having purchased the skin hopefully resulting in the lesser-skilled player also purchasing that same skin. I know for a fact that this system has been tested in the final release of a game, and that it indeed resulted in a significant increase of microtransaction sales during the test. I don't know if the system is currently active, as I'm no longer at the company. So, before we go on, I just want to do one more thing. So that's just a comment on Reddit. I don't know if it was verified or whatnot, but I'm just going to say this. This explains your Dota experience right there. (laughs) You have all the cosmetics. <laughs> you have yeah. all the shit, ah. dude. The matchmaking wow. is putting you against you and with your <laughs> players, so they buy your skins. All right, well, so I don't know if this guy's verified. He might be. Uh, but I just want to, again, I know somebody that has done testing for Activision. We'll not name names. Let's just call it an anonymous mm-hmm. source, who basically verified this. I'm just going to read a small quote from them as well. Uh, when they allowed software to monitor lobbies live, which show you everyone's skill and likely hood or which squad would win we looked at the players we played with and their elo then compared it after we got the battle pass the elo average of the games we played was lower after buying and even now they're working hard blocking people from accessing slash scraping player data because people were using it to look up to see if the person they died from is a hacker even though the kdr made it obvious so what the fuck this is like this is next level pay to win or pay to it's, something. I don't know what the fuck it is. I, I don't know what the right word is for this. Is predatory the right word for this? It's unethical. There's no way like, this is not unethical. Tell me. Fuck people, Speak man. Your mind. Like, seriously. <laughs> like, first of all, why imp- like, like, I mean, I'm not going to say why implement this. It's obvious. It maximizes profit, right? And that's what gaming companies are looking for, is to get the biggest bottom line for... Or at least I'm not going to say the same for every gaming company because that's not true. Uh, but especially certain companies that there's a lot of stakeholders in, um, they're kind of under a lot of pressure to de- to deliver a good bottom line, I think. So they will maybe, you know, cross the line here or there to get bigger sales, um, not by directly, hopefully, flat out misleading consumers or just kind of scamming them, but uh, with stuff like this. I I hope this isn't like just... A sign of a major trend that we don't know about but that this is kind of a one-off or something relatively unique mm. but 
I mean, obviously it's shitty. I don't think we need, really need to talk about why this is shitty. Um, imagine if it actually said it in the game that it worked like this. Imagine if you communicated this to the player base, how fucking outraged they would be. <laughs> so obviously they're keeping it secret because they know that this won't be popular. People right. won't like this. Uh, but they just have the data that suggests that it, it pays off. Um, so what happens if you don't buy it? And then skin? secondly, so that's the first thing. The first thing is, fuck that this system is even in place. But secondly... Why do people think a skin makes them better? Like... Placebo. I don't, I don't know. I can't wrap my head around it. You know right, it's let strictly me, cosmetic. It let me give you an example. It does not change your, the way your weapon works. Cinderin. It is just for show. All right, you're being... Okay. Why do people think it makes them better? Cinderin? At the I, game. You're being... Uh, what's the word? A little ignorant, A robot. Actually. Yes, I know. But like, so I'm gonna, come on. I'm going to give you my thoughts on Valorant okay. real quick. Because this actually has come up before. There are different skins in the game, obviously, for weapons. And some of them mm. change sound effects. Right? right? And there is like this meme about this one skin. It's the Prime, I think it's called, the Prime skin, where it changes to almost like laser sounding. People just feel more accurate with it, even though that's obviously not true. It's a placebo, and I actually feel the right. same way. Like literally feel the same way. And then if you suck ass with it, you change skins, and the placebo, even if you know it's a placebo, it still works. It tricks your mind. Right. It's actually a real thing. So... So do people I, I'm not actually specifically buy it for that reason? Yes, of course. They buy it because of the sounds they think they will make yes. them shoot more precisely. Okay. Yes. Because yes. like from a Dota perspective, that's the main perspective I have here, right? Is that all the cosmetics in Dota, to my understanding, people buy the shit because they like to show off, because they think yeah. it's fun, and they enjoy playing with the skin. And that's, you know, that's the market. I have no problem with that. I also buy skins because I think it's fun and I like the shit I get and I like to pimp out my heroes and support the game. But I'm never, like, I just can't wrap my head around this mentality of buying it because you think it makes you better at the hero or at the character in the game. Mm -hmm. But if there is, like, a really clear, like, change, like, there's, there's some borderline cases in Dota, actually, when you think about it, right? Where people are like, is this pay to win or pay to lose when the arrow, is the arrow of Murana with this set a little more visible or a little mm -hmm. less visible? Or is this sound effect a little more similar to a different sound effect in the game so people could confuse it and think it's a different hero that's casting a spell or whatever? Uh, first of all, I think that should always be avoided, right? Uh, but I understand that it can be tricky to innovate and make spells look creative and fun while still being entirely the same as the other version in right. terms of fairness. So I understand that that trade-off is hard to obtain, but like this stuff, I just, I just can't relate on this level. So I find it really fascinating, though, with the placebo. All I can on this. So for Dota, I yeah. I'm sure there's people that feel like they hook they, like skill shots that they just work mm -hmm. better with cosmetic. I've never I agree with you. I've never felt that way with Dota. I've never anything. thought it in Dota. Ever. But for FPS games, it's a hundred percent a thing because it. I don't know what it is. It's really weird. Even mm -hmm. when you know that it's fake, it still works. That's the crazy ass thing about it. But yeah, mm -hmm. this is. Activision, I mean, my God, can they do anything right? This company fucking sucks, man. Holy shit. Like, close it down. Close this Ugh. shit down, bro. This is god-awful. Just an absolute cesspool of a fucking company in every every respect. And moving on from that, <laughs> the head of Blizzard, which is Blizzard Activision, by the way, the president, uh, J. Allen Brack, has stepped down. I mean, not a big surprise considering the shitstorm that is currently going on for blizzard entertainment and i mean that case is still under investigation i don't think it's gone to court yet but i'm sure they're going to get reamed real hard is my guess seems likely that they are in trouble in this case yes they have replaced well him with if they are a is it co-ceo what, what was his actual position called president so co-presidents i guess jen o'neill and mike ibarra so yeah, not and much to say about one, this. one, if not both of those, are from other gaming companies, if I remember correctly. So I think they're bringing in new people, unless I misunderstood this. I, I think they've been working for a little bit, but it's not like that long of a time. I think at least uh -huh. one of them was from like Xbox, I think, and they'd only been working there a short amount of time. So they weren't like internally uh, promoting. O'Neill like. previously led Vic Vicarious Visions, which Blizzard acquired in January. So that's half a year. 
Ibarra yeah. was previously at Microsoft, serving as corporate vice president for Xbox Live and Xbox Game Pass, joined Blizzard in 2019. So this is two of the newer guys, or I think it's one... One's a woman. Man and one woman, right? Yeah, I believe, I believe. so. Um, so... Yeah, so one from January and one from 2019. So it's none of the old guard, so to speak, that get yeah. these higher positions of power. But in all of this, the main takeaway I have, I mean, first of all, I hope this isn't just, you know, facade. That's always, I'll always be super skeptical about this shit. When a company gets into a lot of trouble and into shitstorm, for whatever reason it is, this one's obviously extremely serious. Could have also been something like, I mean, whatever. Um, whenever they get into a shitstorm and someone high up gets fired or leaves then a lot of people just move on. They're like, okay, now there's change. And a lot of the time, it's just, it's just for show, right? And nothing really truly happens underneath the surface. Mm -hmm. um, well, I, I think really based hope on, that's not the case here. Something needs to fucking happen under the I surface. I mean, the here. fact that there's they're no going to be going to court, something's going to change. So I don't right. think it's up to them anymore. Um, um, but we'll see. A lot of people, from what I've gathered, are... You know, this is just like, again, it's about what you read online, like forums or Reddit or whatever, what people are calling for. A lot of people are really frustrated with this situation because it seems like nothing is happening with Bobby Kotick, right? Um, that there's nothing either about him, like, stepping down or getting put under more pressure or whatever, um, because he is the CEO, right? This is not the CEO of Blizzard. It's the president. And I don't really know what their like power dynamics are and levels in the company yeah. or whatever. But Not sure. uh, a lot of the time when there's something this serious, something happens at the absolute echelon of leadership in the company. And this, I, I mean, I don't want to spread misinformation. So I don't know how much this is. But as far as I'm aware, Bobby Kotick is the top of the top of this company and um, <clears throat> has a pretty large influence from my understanding of the way Blizzard runs things primarily from a profit standpoint. Uh, which is what a lot of people really criticize the company for, right? Like the the way they've changed their trajectory on how to make money with their games, um, which kind of spills over into all of their products with like microtransactions and uh, the way things work. Not that, again, I don't personally think microtransactions necessarily are a bad thing, but the way Blizzard have implemented things have just given them a lot of fucking backlash from the community in general. Um, so, but hey, people still pay, right? So, all right, I have a really stupid question because I don't play WoW ever. Other than paying for, uh, like your subscription and potentially mm -hmm. paying somebody for items, I guess. Do you pay for stuff? Is there microtransactions like from so, Blizzard? So basically, there's two versions of WoW, right? There's classic and there's retail. And in classic, in vanilla, uh, so. We're in the Burning Crusade now, so we're on to the first expansion. But in the original version of WoW Classic, the only thing you could pay for was a service to transfer your character to another server. There's mm -hmm. nothing else you could buy in the game. There's no, like, uh, cosmetics you could buy. You couldn't buy yourself an advantage. You couldn't buy anything like that. Um, and in the Burning Crusade, they allow or they entered something where you could buy a character boost. So you could level up really fast. And then there's so also a, a store. There's a mount so you can buy a cosmetic in the game. And it's like people are just seeing this trajectory now with, okay, this is going to head in the same direction as retail is. And that was what we hated about what happened to retail. So a lot of people actually just lost interest and quit the game over this stuff and just hate it, mm -hmm. right? Um, and a lot of people were warning about this in advance of Burning Crusade coming out that these changes were going to happen and Blizzard is looking to make money off of this in that way. Um, Originally, in World of Warcraft, when it, the game was at its peak, so to speak, for the first few years, you bought a subscription, and you bought the game, and that was it. There was nothing else you could spend money on in the game. And in a way, I think that's how it fucking should be. Like, you're paying a monthly fee to play a game. You shouldn't need to pay an addition to that for stuff. But well, These days, as, I, don't, I would be shocked if there's a game where you pay a subscription and you buy the game even. That's probably yeah, not for a most thing cases anymore. now it's either or, right? You pay the sixty dollars or whatever yeah. for a triple A title, or it's free to play, but then you get like battle passes or subscriptions or something. But Blizzard somehow managed right from the start of WoW to get people to buy the game and then pay a subscription and then buy the expansions while still paying the subscription, and then they managed to buy games and expansions and 
subscription and then have cosmetics and microtransactions on top of that. So WoW really became like an insane cash cow. Um, and this is, I feel like this is one of the things that we are going to see in the next like decade of gaming is how far can you squeeze this shit where people pay without truly compromising what makes the games enjoyable? Mm-hmm. I think we're kind of heading in a direction where companies are so... I don't blame companies for being focused on profit, right? Like, let's make that clear. Companies are here to make money. They want to make good games that make money. But I think more and more, it's becoming a bit more predatory how the companies make money rather than making money off the fact that they have a really good product that people want to buy because the game owns, you know? And that's yep. that direction is just fucking unhealthy, right? And it's just becoming more and more. So my question is, when is it going to like blow up in, in the company's faces and people just don't want it anymore? Yeah, uh, I hope that happens effect. so that at I mean, some point we get back to not necessarily the good old days where you just buy and own a game and that's it, but, you know, a healthier medium where it feels more reasonable and where the companies see more value in truly making an incredible gameplay experience rather than milking out whatever dollar they can from yeah. making people feel fear of missing out on seasonal events or uh, exclusivity of items or, you know, this kind of stuff. Uh, and having it be more about the true gameplay so it's just the snowball effect that will get to a point where it's considered too extreme and then they'll be for like companies will be forced to you know it feels like we haven't really made it there yet though right there's been like i mean there's been serious backlash multiple times but we haven't truly had a game just like have we had like a, a game like blow up or like negatively where it's okay, they rolled artifact. back serious stuff. True, I guess artifact on launch, yeah. <laughs> that what? is true. That's actually Why? the best example, I guess. Why? The economy system in artifact was super frowned upon. People just left. Yeah. That is that is true, actually. That's the best <sighs> example I can think of. I'm so sure there's others. Somehow we these other, other games, games have done it a bit more seamlessly, I guess, because it feels like the problem with artifact was not necessarily that it was. It was first of all, it was expensive to play, right? But it was the fact of how no, much it, money it was... you needed to spend in order to just play the core game, right? Compared to the perception was that it was expensive. Yeah. But again, um, like I talked about this on the documentary. If you guys haven't watched it, you really should. It's fucking great. Um, not just because I'm in it, but mainly because I'm in it. Um, where I basically said that the monetization of artifact the perception was the worst part about it. Like it Hmm. gained this reputation of being more expensive where Valve is like, you know, Valve is not a scummy company generally. Like sometimes they do stuff that's a little borderline maybe, but they're not there to fuck you basically. Hmm. And they're like, all right, we need to educate you guys on why this is better because you're paying this much, but look at the comparisons to other games. Like Hmm. technically artifact, you're paying less. But my argument was, post-haste, or like in the documentary, if you have to inform or educate your customers why your system is better, your system is not better. You know what I mean? Because they're not going to listen right. most of it. Unless you have like some super they're loyal... They're just going to see, I need to pay to play ranked. Yes. Right? But I think that is... I think that was the thing that turned off people so much was that... The ticket If system. they really got... If they really enjoyed the game and wanted to play a lot of ranked, what it looked like to them was that they needed to just pay to play every time. Almost like, um, what do you call that? Like an arcade, right? And if you want to play arcade games, you go to the arcade. But when you buy a PC game, you either expect, okay, I pay for the game or I pay for a seasonal thing or whatever that I know is finite. But in no other game that I can think of, do you need to pay to play ranked? Right. It was weird. And yeah, that was, was what the original system was. So what people see when they see that is, oh, if I really like this game, I'm going to be paying every day to play. And I, I actually don't, don't remember that. the exact system. I remember you had right. to pay with tickets or something to play some. Right. I don't, I and don't if you were really exactly. good, you could win the tickets back or whatever. Right. So yeah. it's almost it also felt like, OK, so this game is going to be cheaper for the good players and expensive. If I'm not very good, then people are like worried. OK, should I really even buy ranked or And then it was about how you won and found cards and stuff. So, like, inherently, the system might not have been that bad. But, like you said, if you need to explain it and people are skeptical to begin with and worried about 
it, it just that system just didn't catch on at all. And the interesting thing here is that we don't like. I never did the like the major math on this shit and how it would have turned out or whatever because maybe it would have been okay and overall the average player wouldn't have had to pay more than for a subscription for another game. Um, so it wasn't really necessarily predatory. It just it just wasn't a format that the customers want and Valve totally missed the mark on that. Um, whereas what I'm conf conf or, uh, comparing it to here is where... This is systems that the customers want somewhat that these uh, other companies are running, but they're just squeezing them to the absolute fucking limit. And I want to know what that limit is, yeah. where it's too much. Because I don't think Valve were malicious with Artifact. I really don't. Uh, they had an idea. They have their own data and their own way they want to run things. And that time, their data just really fucking missed. Um, you can't always only trust the math. I, you also need to I trust the been, psyche of the player, right? I have been a critic of every company because that's just what I am, including Valve, even though my lifeblood depends on them in some respect. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I would never accuse them of is, uh, what did you just call it? What did you, how did you just put it? That they Predatory? were never... Well, sure. They were never... Nothing was malicious. That's the word. Malicious. They, no. I don't think they've ever made any decision in a malicious way where, if you look at fucking Activision, there's no way you can't claim that this is this is fucking malicious shit that's terrible like it's never been even remotely close to that so just want to clear that up uh okay final topic before we get to a mailbag question the lcs so riot league of legends lands a seven-year ftx sponsorship and it's the first crypto exchange partner for any riot league and the reason this is interesting and i put it down there is because we talked about it a few weeks ago that TSM right. uh, got sponsored by FTX and they weren't allowed by Riot to put that in their name. So for, for uh, I think it's just League of Legends though. For just League of Legends, they couldn't do that. And then now it's just an actual sponsor of LCS. So kind of hilarious. No idea what the number is, but I'm sure it's fucking gigantic. And... Yeah. I guess they're also involved with the NBA even. FTX has sponsored the naming rights of the Miami Heat's arena. Um, not that it's the same, but PayPal is a sponsor of the Suns. That's not crypto by any means. And I know Dal the Dallas Mavericks are accepting Dogecoin. So this is like, it's whether you like it or not, this is happening. And we just have to adapt. Right. You and me have to adapt to this new age shit. Because I, I don't know how to feel about any of it, honestly. Right. So... There's like this like gray area with crypto, right? Where some people are like considering pure speculation almost to the level of gambling, right? And a lot of these gaming companies, when they do like sponsorships, for example, um, there were like some major restrictions in Dota on gambling sponsorships at TI, right? If orgs had gambling sponsors, they couldn't have them on their jerseys, I think. Um, at least some years. I don't know if Valve got more lenient on it because the teams were like, hey, we depend too much on this to function. Um, like betting sites and just flat out this kind of stuff. Um, I remember there being uh, regulations in Dota uh, for this stuff on, in the DPC. Uh, and I think Riot had something similar with the LCS where some sort of things were not accepted on the jersey. And this is interesting, right? Because if the FTX sponsorship that... TSM got fell under that like category from Riot's perspective. So they were like, you guys can take the sponsorship and take the money, but you can't have it on your jersey or in your title name or whatever it was uh, because it's too much exposure of this because we like question the legitimacy of this or whatever. And then they partner with them themselves. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's weird. I, I would like to know now, especially the reason why they couldn't have it in their name. If that was literally that, then like this is just hypocritical then, right? At that point, um, sounds like it. But yeah, so it's it's, uh, it's always interesting. I don't really know. And I'm kind of when it comes to this crypto stuff, like my personal stance on it is that I consider it like it's it's speculation way more so than a lot of the rest of the stock market, just because the like physical implementation and manifestation of it isn't quite there yet. So naturally, it's a lot about like people thinking this will become the next best thing or next big things or not next mm -hmm. next best. Um, but there isn't like 
the implementation is slowly getting there, right? Like you said, now you can pay with Dogecoin in certain places. More people are starting or more companies are taking Bitcoin as payment, et cetera, et cetera. So it is developing, but there's no guarantee that in five years, this system is being widespread and working the way that it does. So there, it is speculation. However you look at it, a lot of people say it's very low risk because they're like, this will definitely be the next big thing. And others are like, dude, this is mega high risk. It could flop completely. And people, there's like no consensus. Whereas right. a lot yeah, of the I... physical products you have in your life, you know, like you speculate, okay, is this going to be less and less popular? But you fucking know it's there and what it is, right? But mm -hmm. with crypto, it's a little bit, it's hard to say. But so I, when you have a crypto exchange we, partner, uh... that's kind mm -hmm. of the same category, right? Yeah, I was just going to say my my thoughts on crypto. I, again, I'm not educated on any of this NFTs, crypto. I know they're not the same at all, but like crypto, mm -hmm. the idea of it, I understand. And I think it's yeah. cool. I, mm -hmm. I just don't know enough about it or I'm interested enough about it to, you know, potentially get into it in some capacity. And then NFTs, I do find weird. Like I understand the concept. It's something I know I will never be interested in. And I don't get why other people are interested in it personally. So right. that's just my current stance on it um do you feel the same right now uh i feel like both concepts have potential uh i'm overall more skeptical about nfts because of regulation issues uh not that's not to say that crypto is perfectly regulated necessarily but i think it's like a little bit more established how it works mm. um but overall both of these systems have a lot of promise but also a lot of potential for abuse like tax evasion or you know this kind of stuff it's a little bit there's a lot of like shady stories Money laundering or, exactly right um where that's that's kind of problematic but like i'm honestly i'm hopeful for crypto as a concept uh, but like just from a personal standpoint it's something i'm not investing into because similar to you i feel like i don't know enough about it i feel like it's very hard to it's hard to value it right like then you see these cryptos shoot up like dogecoin or bitcoin or whatever but it's almost impossible to like kind of place where it is relative to its potential right so people are kind of just like guessing and hoping compared to mm. other stuff where it might seem a little bit more like at the end stocks are stocks right it is just there is going to be things that happen that are unpredictable even that is... i'm skeptical not skeptical but right. too scared to as we've talked about before okay mm, right let's finish off the podcast with a mailbag question from guitar strings here, here's my mailbag question before I unsubscribe. What will be oh. the downfall of oh, Dota no. 2, Sindarin? We have to give him a good answer as he goes, goes out, I guess. The downfall it's, it's of like, Dota 2. This was so, uh, how to say, like, I, I'm, I'm not complaining or, or sad. Like, if you unsubscribe, there could be a, a lot of reasons, right? Like, it's obviously a shame, but... The, the 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 question that he chooses to go out on right i'm unsubscribing what will be the downfall of the game you guys talk about you not supporting <laughs> us is the downfall of dota okay uh, dude that's, I, I honestly th i don't know if there's a much a discussion because i i don't know if you would agree with this but i feel like this is just the reality the answer is valve and I don't mean that in a super negative way. It's only a matter of time. I think Dota is just a game that's going to be around forever, pretty much. And it's all about how much attention Valve is going to give because there's going to come a time where it's just not for, mm -hmm. you know, whether, you know, it's because of their company policy where people can move around or whatever. Eventually, people are just not going to be interested in maintaining it to the level that it's at now. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like that is just, it's not an opinion almost. You know what I mean? What do you think? I think the downfall is either going to be neglect, so Valve at some point just flat out move on to other stuff entirely, like they have with past games. Like at some point they just, they lose interest and they feel like it's not worth updating anymore. Fortunately for 10 years now we've had uh, developers on it that either do it out of passion because they love the game themselves or because of financial incentives or whatever. Uh, but someday that might not be the case anymore. That's one way it could be the downfall. The other one is if another game comes in and takes it over, right? That's the thing that you could either hope for or dread, depending on your perspective of Dota. It's but it's what has happened to other games and other genres, is that a game is big until something better or newer or fresher comes around that rivals it too hard and takes the player base and, and defeats it, right? For the consumer, that's a good thing. If there's a competitor that 
is really, really good at what they do and rival the, the stage for it, so to speak. Uh, but for the individual game, is that, that competition is obviously... Is that even possible? I don't know. I, I don't like, know if, if that genre doesn't... Like, maybe this the genre doesn't count. has run its okay. course. All right. Technically, the question was, what will be the downfall of Dota 2? So the answer could be Dota 3. Um, I didn't really mean it from a Valve perspective. No, at all. I know, like, but I'm just saying that could be actually that, an answer. That is, that is true. But yeah, yeah. It's I think those are the two possible. most likely things. It's either Valve uh, losing interest and support for the game, or it is that another game beats it, or both at the same time. Um, but right now, I don't know if there's anything in development in this genre. And I think it's a very dangerous and difficult genre to invest in just because the games you're competing with has so insanely much depth and history that I think it's just a market that's difficult to pierce even if you want to. Like, you need to compete with League and Dota. Why would you make a game in this genre? Like, yeah. if, you're a, if you're a company, you need to really love the idea and think you're hot shit to try to beat Dota and League at what they well, do Maybe best. they can like, learn from the mistakes or the downfall of Heroes of the Storm, Smite that superman game that i don't remember the strife, name was, was it so called that or bad strife that was han yeah there's no. been there's a big like, graveyard the track of... record is just bad right like yeah it's it's hard so i, I think the very most likely thing is that the genre either dies out or loses support well, um, pokemon the new the pokemon still game pretty healthy. what was it called pokemon That's true. uh unite right yep the moba that uh, nintendo made I don't think it's going to compete with uh, Dota and League because a big part of Dota and League is the esports scene and uh, Nintendo hate competitive <laughs> gaming. So that's not going to be a thing at all. Yeah, that's um, true. They're looking for a casual market for sure. I, I don't even know if they're going to host tournaments and they probably aren't. So they Blizzard think, yeah, hates... Esports is the devil. All right, Nintendo hates esports. Blizzard hates women and equality in general or they hate mm. being competent maybe is a better way to put it. What does Valve <laughs> hate? <And, laughs> like every company has an extreme... They hate Valve. communication, I guess. Yes. Valve <laughs> hate making promises. <laughs> <laughs> they have learned that making promises backfires too often. They're, they've run the data, and when they make promises and don't meet them, the net enjoyment of the consumer is worse than if they make no promises. Activision so for Call of Duty. They talking. fuck their customers. Like, if you look at all... Th the grass is pretty fucking brown on the other side. I don't even feel like the grass is greener in any respect. <laughs> the grass totally is just on fire. It's on fucking. I've never just heard that saying before. Is that you or is that a thing? What the grass? No, I just the grass made that up right brown. now. I'm sure somebody has said it, but literally just I mean, shit all over. Blizzard the has just shit too much that the grass Fuck. just can't grow. It's too much fertilizer oh. for the grass to take. Okay, that is the end of episode number 115. Thank you, Good for the question. Yes, thank you. And thank you for supporting us until now. For we being, appreciate yes, that. Thank you very much. Past tense. Uh, all right, Sunspan and Cinderin, bidding everybody do have a great, wonderful rest of your week, everybody. Please Goodbye. let there be a patch. Please, God, Gaben. If not, I'll just continue to play Atomic War. Goodbye. Atomic War. Bye. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah.